Welcome to MyEGMS, episode number 28, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, YouTube, and on the MSME Internet Radio Network. The next two episodes are going to be dedicated to something that I get asked about frequently uh, via email from listeners to the podcast, and it involves diet. And if you're a new MS warrior or if you've been uh, dealing with it for, for any length of time, likely you've been exposed to one of the various MS diets uh, that are bouncing around on the internet. I will confess, back in 2007 when I got my official diagnosis, uh, I switched to a paleo-style diet about 80% of the time. And it's something that I've continued on with uh, for the past 10 years. So, there are, but you will note from, if you do any searching around, uh, that there are several diets that are claimed to help people with MS. Some of the personalities uh, that promote them will go as, to far, as far as to say that you should stop taking your medication, uh, Big Pharma's bad, uh, your doctor's lying to you, and if you just eat properly, you can completely fix it. Conversely, there are other extreme views on the other side that say that if you decide to try and help yourself with diet, that you're an idiot, you should just listen to your doctor and take the DMTs and, and hope for the best. I'm going to start this off. So these next two, this two, next two episodes, this first episode is going to be my journey sort of with diet since I got diagnosed. And then the following episode, episode number 29, we'll actually compare, I'll actually compare some of the MS diets. Because the lists aren't the same. On one, on one particular diet, you can eat certain foods. On one diet, you can't eat those certain foods. And I think where this leaves everyone is really confused. Uh, and when you are in a, in a place of crisis, being confused and conflicting reports really don't help because you don't know what the right answer is. So I'm going to take you through kind of my, in this episode, I'm going to take you through where I'm at in terms of diet. And then in the next episode, I'll compare them. I'll compare a few of the, you know, the key ones that are out there. Um, I think it's important to do, as I said, I've had a, a number of emails about it saying, hey, have you seen this or did you see that? And, you know, it's not an easy question for anyone to answer. So way back in 2007, I got di officially diagnosed in 2007 after a pretty severe attack in 2006. And I remember... When my first neurologist told me that I had MS, I got taken to a separate room 
where the MS nurse took me through what Rebif was. Rebif was the first medication that I was prescribed. There was no talk about exercise. There was no talk about diet. Uh, there was no talk about any sort of lifestyle modifications. It was simply, this is your prescription. This is what you take, how you take it. You're going to have to start giving yourself a needle. And, you know, away you go. And, you know, when, they, when reading through the literature that, was a, that, that they gave me, you know, the success rate with Rebif or any DMT of that sort, Capaxone, is similar. I mean, they're not compelling. You know, the, the, the success rates are, you know, I think if, if I remember correctly, and please tweet at me or, or, or email me if, I, if, I, if I'm wrong, but I remember the one piece of information that I read that I thought really, like, what's the point? Was I, if I'm pretty, pretty certain that in the Rebif literature, it said something to the effect of 30% of people taking it find a 30% reduction in future relapses. So 30% of 30%, I mean, I thought, well, that's, you know, so what? Like that, it wasn't comforting, to say the least. And I remember being very angry, and I wasn't angry at the world or angry at God or anything like that. I was just angry because I got diagnosed with something that I didn't understand. Um, going on the internet was just a, an absolute mess to try and figure anything out. And, I, and I, to this day, after my experience, and I don't suspect it's better any better 10 years later, it's probably worse now, that anyone... You know, anyone really has to, to, to take care of what they, what they find online and, and how they internalize it. Because um, there's all kinds of different theories and, and, and suggestions that, you know, you'll be exposed to if you go looking. So anyway, I was angry. I, w I wasn't really sure what was going on with, with my body and, and, and this disease that I really didn't know a lot about. And... So I started looking, and I came across a website that had an MS diet, and it was based on the work of Dr. Lauren Cordain, uh, who had written a paper about paleolithic nutrition and how certain foods should be eliminated. And it, 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 now his paper wasn't specific to MS. It was just general diet, and that how ancestral peoples have uh, ate a more natural, less processed diet for the most part. So in a nutshell, and I suggest looking this up on your own because I don't have enough time to go through Paleolithic nutrition in, in its entirety, but essentially you get rid of all processed foods, foods. Uh, you get rid of legumes, which are soy, uh, peanuts, those sorts of things. Uh, you stop eating gluten. And depending on the variety of paleo diet, you can even get more, uh, more extreme than that. So I started doing that 80% of the time. I mean, I, you know, my, my, my goal, my initial goal was to do it 100% of the time. Um, 
but I did it about 80% of the time and then I would cheat and I also started running and when I first started running I couldn't go 500 feet you know and then you know nine years later eight years eight or nine years later I start running ultra marathon so that kind of gives you the progression from when I started to where I ended up but I didn't take the DMTs I didn't take my my prescribed medicine uh, so I was 2007 I think I first started taking medication for my MS in, in 2011 and what spurred that was the my wife got pregnant and it made me reevaluate my position on things and I would say that early on you know 2007 2008 2009 I would have been in the extreme diet group believing that this is the only way to do it and I you know I really internalized that however as things always do and as you learn more you realize you know maybe it isn't that simple you know I would I would agree with any of the paleo style dieters and I think the most notable is Dr. Terry Walls uh, if you don't know her story look it up it's her last name is W-A-H-L uh, Dr. Terry Walls I mean she had very progressive MS and started eating a, uh, a form of a paleolithic diet and ended up um, being able to get out of her wheelchair and, 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 and things like that so So fast forward to now, um, where I sit on diet now is a little bit different. I, I still follow a paleo style diet. I have been attempting for about the last two and a half weeks um, to do it 100% of the time. So for the last two and a half weeks, I haven't had any refined grains or refined carbohydrates. I haven't had any refined sugar. Uh, the only sugar I really get is through, I have one piece of fruit every day. Um, and honestly, I do feel a lot better, a lot better. So, but anyways, back to what I was saying. So, you know, from, so my daughter, we, we, my, my wife got pregnant in 2011. I started taking Cabaxel. I had a mild relapse about two years later, so around 2013, 2014 in there. And I was switched to Tecfidera, uh, which I still take to this day. And... But I still always was about 80% of the time um, following a, a paleo style diet. But what changed for me is learning more about the differences between people in the sense of diet and how different people react. And what really got me to thinking about it was actually a few weekends ago and this is what's well actually about a month ago now but this is what really spurred on why I'm trying to be a hundred percent of the time uh, with with the pilot and no cheating and even taking it to a more extreme form was when I first came up with the idea to run 80 kilometers in a day which for my American listeners is roughly 50 miles uh, to raise money uh, for MS research I, that first year, I put in 1,700 kilometers of training. And my weight went from about 240 pounds down to about the day, the day I woke up and started running on the very, for the very first really long run, I was 217 pounds. 
And I remember at the time thinking, and still carrying a tummy, I mean, I've never ever been thin or what would be considered thin. And the entire time doing all this, this running, and when people meet me, they always think, you know, I can see it in their faces. They're just thinking, mm, I can't see you doing that. They won't say it, so I say it for them, so it puts people at ease. Like, I know what you're thinking. Um, you don't look like an ultramarathoner. I get that. But I was wondering why. I mean, my diet wasn't perfect, but it was relatively clean compared to most people. I mean, you know, I might have some chips on the weekend or something, but for the most part, I mean, like, it wasn't that bad, or at least I didn't think so. And then I did, you know, I, that was 2015, then I did the run again in 2016. So in the last three years, I've put in over 3,000 kilometers of road time running. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of distance to put on your body. And I still really wasn't able to crack, consistently crack the 220 pound barrier. And when I got to Hinton for the MS mountain bike uh, about a month ago, you know, I was riding with, you know, buddies of mine that I've known forever and, um, and just kept thinking to myself, how is it that somebody can train this much and not be able to even get close to 200 pounds? And I'm not talking that I wanted to build up to 200 pounds. I want to lose weight to get down to 200 pounds. And then I was thinking about, well, if I'm going to run from Jasper to Banff, uh, either next summer or the summer after, depending on how training goes, that's a 240-kilometer trek that I'll probably do in four days. Well, how am I going to do that? I mean, I really need to get my weight down, but how do I get it down? I mean, you would think after running 3,000 kilometers in, in two and a half years, almost three years now, that that should have done the trick. Well, it didn't. I mean, I still carry extra weight. I have struggled with weight my entire adult life. Uh, since I was probably 13 or 14 years old, it's been, a, it's been an issue, but especially as an adult. Um, you know, I joked with a guy the other day, I saw some je jelly beans on a digital sign, and I said, you know, I just gain weight looking at that. So really looking at my own diet. So, okay, great, paleo diet, great, that's fine. But what is it, what am I missing? What, what is it that I'm missing that I need to, need to do to try and get the weight down? And one of the, one of the, the buzzwords around fitness these days is, you know, the ketogenic, ketogenic diet, which you can look up. And which is just a, a more extreme version of a paleolithic diet. I mean, you're eliminating, again, you're eliminating the common suspects and dairy and gluten and soy and legumes and that, you know, that style of eating. But the emphasis is more on eating a lot of healthy fats and getting, you know, the bulk of your energy and your bulk of your calories from healthy fats, things like avocado, uh, you know, different oils, nuts, that kind of thing. Uh, some protein and very very restrictive on carbohydrates and and sugar so for the past two and a half weeks I have had virtually not no refined sugars uh, if you want to know if it's you're eating a refined sugar enough and really the easiest way to if, if, if the 
The suffix on the word is OSE, like glucose, anything OSE, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good indicator that that's a, that's a, a refined sugar. Uh, so like I said earlier, the only uh, sugar I get is from the one piece of fruit that I eat a day, and there will be some in anything you eat for the most part, but anything would be naturally occurring. I eat no, I have had zero refined carbohydrates in the past two and a half weeks. Uh, the only carbohydrates I've, I've received uh, are simple carbohydrates, and those would have came from uh, sweet potatoes and beets, things like that. And I have noticed a difference. I have noticed a difference. My wife has already said that, you know, a lot of the, the, the button-up shirts I wear for work, she's like, you look like you're swimming in them. Um, and that's after two and a half weeks. And my belt has never been easy. I'm actually going to have to create a belt or a new notch in my belt or get a new one here pretty quickly. Um, I feel a lot better uh, in terms of energy, in terms of mood. Um, but in, doing, in, in this process, I've done a lot more looking into things and more research. And one of the things that I've found is that what a lot of people don't realize, and, I, and one of the things why I think a lot of the, the MS diet people need to look a little, scratch a little deeper than they are, I don't think it's as simple as you following the same diet plan as, say, Dr. Terry Waltz. I don't think it's as simple as eliminating certain types of foods. What I found is, is that, for, as an example, and I'm borrowing this from Rob Wolf, and I was listening to him on the Joe Rogan podcast, and if you have a chance, I mean, you can type in Joe Rogan, Rob Wolf into YouTube and it'll come up. Or you can look on Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan Experience podcast on iTunes and find it yourself. But anyway, this Rob Wolf is a very well-known person in the paleo community and wealth of knowledge in terms of nutrition and that. But one of the things he was saying, and, I, and I've read this elsewhere, but this is just an easy place to reference, is that... Let's just for use, for example, I eat, we prep, prepare a full cup of white rice. You eat half of it, I eat the other half. Our insulin response will be entirely different. And, what that, and you can extrapolate that out to a whole bunch of different types of foods. All of our bodies don't react differently to, based on what we're eating. It's not consistent across the board. And one of the, one, and one of the pieces that plays a role is, is, is your gut health. You know, the good flora and fauna the, uh, that comprise the gut, like that good bacteria that's supposed to be in there. And recent studies have shown that your, your gut is almost part of your brain. It can really affect your mood. Uh, it's been referred to as your second brain. And a lot of that is the interplay of these... Uh, these bacteria that in your gut that are necessary to process food properly and to make sure that it's getting broken up now that you're taking all the nutrients out of the food. Well, trying to promote good gut health is a, is a, is a separate science onto itself. And again, everyone's different. So for example, there's something called the beet test. And the beet, I mean, I'm talking about beet the vegetable. So everybody knows when you eat beets, um, you know, when you, when you poop next, 
it's usually you know the color of the the, the beat comes out in your poop and if you're not 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 prepared for it, it can be kind of you know upsetting because you know your poop is red and that's normal but what isn't normal after eating beets is you shouldn't see any of that that red color in your pee uh, your urine should still be a normal color color and the beet test is to see how you're functioning in terms of that internal bacteria and flora you can all look this stuff up online this is not this is definitely not my my information that i'm passing along and I did that about three weeks ago, and sure enough, I my, my pee was a little bit red. So I've been, you know, really working on eating sauerkraut because it's a good probiotic, but it's can't just, just a note on sauerkraut. If the sauerkraut is made from vinegar, it won't work. It's got to be the stuff that's made where it's just salt. Uh, you know, like making old-fashioned pickles. You don't use vinegar. You, you make a brine, and then you put the pickles in and... That will help populate the good gut bacteria. Uh, things like kombucha. If you've never heard of kombucha, it is basically fermented tea. Um, you can drink that. There's a, all kinds of stuff you can do to... Uh, I mean, one of the common ones they say is yogurt, but then, then, then you have to deal with the dairy. So, But maybe yogurt works for you because maybe you can process dairy. I don't do well with dairy. It gives me gas. It does, I don't feel good. But again... Those are the differences in people. So from my point of view, I think that it's not the right way to go to sit there and, and, and beat your chest and say, all people with MS should eat one way. Well, if that would only be true if we were all the same, but we're not. And it's... Do I think it's possible that you can help treat your MS or diet? Yes, I do. You know, because if you're eating something that's compromising your immune system, causing additional inflammation, and just overall not making you healthy and putting you into an unhealthy state, then absolutely. You know, we're, we're eating better is always going to be better for you. I don't think anyone will dispute that. But I think the tricky thing is, is trying to find a diet that works really, really well for you as an individual, your body composition, your makeup, your genetics, your every part of you is going to make it different for you than for me. I don't do well with gluten. I don't do well with dairy. These are things I know because I've eliminated, I've witnessed the changes. But if you're listening to this and you try eliminating one of those, you might think, well, that didn't do anything for me. I don't feel any different. Well, that and that is... A likely outcome because we're not the same so back to my example about running you know when you run as much as I do and have been for the last number of years you wonder you know like what is it how do I all I want to get down to is 190 pounds 190 pounds for most for most people is still fairly heavy Imagine being an ultra marathon or running at 220. You should see when I go, I have a, I'm doing an ultra marathon in Canmore this weekend, which is on the side of a mountain and it's 55K. When I get into the starting gate, people look at me, they're like, Jesus, this guy's doing this? Well, yeah, and I can. I mean, I, physically, I'm more than able to do it. I'm, I'm not the slowest guy out there. I'm far from the fastest guy. I mean, some of these guys, that they almost, it almost feels like they're sprinting. Um, but I'm not the slowest guy. 
So there had to be another factor, and I've, I'm strong. From what I've witnessed over the last two and a half, almost three weeks now, is it, it's certainly diet based, and you know, I'm going to be 41 on the weekend, and I'm setting up to have a real boring last half of my life because what's become really, really apparent to me is that I can't. Ha I mean, I can't have anything fun. And I just have to eat that way to feel good. But I feel so much better now. And kicking that stuff was so hard that I wouldn't go through it again. I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a lot of fun getting off processed, processed sugar. It wasn't fun getting off processed carbohydrates. Because really what I realized, I was addicted to them. Very much addicted to them. And, and the sugar-salt cycle that modern processed food puts us on. Um, and now I'm feeling a lot better, a lot more energetic, and my mood is more even, my outlook is more positive. But I can't sit here and say that if you ate exactly the way I've been eating for the last couple of weeks that it would work for you. So I would suggest to anyone with MS to test, you know, try eliminating dairy, see if that has an effect for, you know, a couple of weeks. That doesn't work. Try eliminating processed sugar. Try eliminating, you know, different foods until you find that ideal diet where you feel the best and you're being properly fueled. Um, you know, to say to sit back and simply say, you know, through that we can eliminate AMS through diet is not being is not being truthful. Um, so that's what I'm up to in terms of diet. Uh, next episode, I will compare and contrast a few of the more common MS diets that you'll find. And if you have any questions, email me, sean at ownmultiplesclerosis.com. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at ownmultiplesclerosis.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter, at ownms.com1. Anyways, if you're watching this on YouTube, please give it a like, uh, subscribe on iTunes, and we will talk to you in a little while. Thanks very much.